All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Hi, Mary. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to 2023. Oh my God, stop it. It's crazy. I know. 2023. I know. To all of our listeners, we hope that you had an amazing Christmas. We hope that you had a safe and happy New Year's Eve. And whatever you call your holidays, however you celebrate them, I hope they were amazing and wonderful and you were with your family. Yes. Yes. That you were with the people you love. Yeah. Family's not just about blood. No, it's not. And on that note, welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. What, on the note of blood? No, just on the note of welcome to the new year. Hell yeah. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. We appreciate it. Woohoo. I'm Hannah Green. I am Mary Swartz. Yay. Mary. Yeah. Do you have a fact for us to kick off this new year? I do. Okay. You ever watch Gilligan's Island as a child? Yes. Yes? Yes. Whoa. The three-hour tour that lasted for years and years and what years. What was his last name? Gilligan? Yeah. Fuck if I know. What was his first name? Oh. Hmm. I think that his first name might have been Skipper and his last name was Gilligan. Skipper was not his first name. <laughs> I don't know. It was never revealed whether Gilligan was his first name or his last name during the entire run. That's interesting. Of Gilligan's Island. Interesting. Yeah. My facts are always always a little longer than yours, just because I uh, I just have to give a little detail. That's fine. Wilma Rudolph. You ever heard that name? Did Rudolph get married and not tell us? No. Okay, then probably not. Sometimes I do facts that are so amazing that I kind of want to turn it into a whole story, but I'm, I'm just going to go with this, okay? All right. Wilma Rudolph had polio as an infant and was unable to walk properly until she was 11. For several years, her family had to massage her legs four times a day, and she had to wear a metal brace. In 1960, Wilma Rudolph became the first American woman to win three gold medals in an Olympic event. Oh, my God, that is a badass woman right fucking there. How awesome is that? You could still do a story on that. I just was like, oh my God. That's freaking awesome. She actually um, became one of the most accomplished female sprinters in the history of the U.S. That's yeah. beyond amazing. Yeah, I thought so. All right. <clears throat> yes. I have a tidbit. You have a tidbit? I do. I have a tidbit. I love tidbits. Okay. Ready? Of All course. Right. When disaster strikes. Yes. Like two semi-trucks that collide into each other. Please don't ask me how it happened. I have no idea how two trucks that big cannot see each other coming. But two semi-trucks collided with each other. Okay. That's like a disaster. And somebody has to clean up the highway. Yes. And the bodies. And the wreckage. And whatever else comes along. Okay. So the crews were called up to clean up the highway. After two semi-trucks collided together. Now when you think about semi-trucks, they're big, they're going fast, they can't stop on a dime, and there's a whole lot of power behind them. Oof. You, yeah. There's a potential for destruction and injuries and deaths. 
So when you're called to one of those, you really don't know what you're walking into. Right. Well, this one was a little bit different because the one rig had been hauling Frito-Lay products. I really hope the other one was hauling like chili. Bush beer. Oh my God. <laughs> so the crew members arrived at the scene to find Frito-Lay products and Bush beer all over the highway. They said it looked like there was a hundred Super Bowl parties that exploded. That's awesome. Now, because the crash took place at 3 in the morning, there were no injuries. Both truck drivers actually walked away, which wow. is really good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I didn't get, like, details, but I just thought the Frito Ace and the Bush beer were awesome. So I think that most of our listeners are aware we are in Michigan. Yes. Generally, yes, we are. And... We've done stories before about Guinness World Records. A local-ish man, local-ish as in Grand Rapids, which is about an hour from us, he has earned himself a spot in the Guinness World Record. Okay. Have you ever heard of a beard chain? Nope. Haven't heard that. All right. A beard chain is exactly what it sounds like. People grow their beards, and then they kind of split them in half down the middle, and they take this side and they tie it to the beard of the person next to them, and take the other side and they tie it to the beard of the person next to them. Each person splits their beard like Why? this. Why? Why? Would you even want to? We don't, we should, no, beards should not commingle. What if you end up with little baby beards? How do you explain that to your wife? I don't know. I guess you, if you're going to do this, use protection. The previous beard chain record was 62 feet 6 inches. It was set in Germany in 2007. That's a lot of men standing side by side. Damn, that's a lot of beardage. Well, a Grand Rapids man, his name is Joel Andrus. Uh, he took place in the new world record-breaking longest beard chain. This happened in November 2022 in Casper, Wyoming. And the new record is 150 feet. Jesus. Yeah, I guess they just decided they were just going to bust it all over the place. Now, Joel has been competing in national beard competitions for years. He even won a national title before, and he just thought it would be really cool to have the opportunity to put his name in the world record book. So the way that this works is uh, all these people line up, like I was saying, they split their beards, and you actually tie your beard to the person next to you. We aren't using rubber bands to actually tie your beard to them. I hope nobody passes out. He said, oh God, oh Jesus. <laughs> I hope no one's really short or really tall either. Oh my God. Be- no, the tall one wouldn't be so bad. Short one definitely would. So Joel said the experience of tying his beard to someone else's was a bit uncomfortable. There were comments like, I hope no one has lives. Uh, it was weird. And he said he doesn't plan on doing that too much more. 
And then the way it works is the officials from Guinness World Records had the participants hold a tape measure up to their noses to measure their own, like, individual part of the beard. Oh, okay. So each person has to measure their, you know what I mean? Right. You had to stand there and not move for probably half an hour of just, like, standing straight up. While people measured. Because if you move too much, you break the chain. Because God forbid, I mean, yeah, God forbid you should be the dude that breaks the chain. Mm-hmm. He, uh, so Joel Andrus actually took over a year to grow his beard to its current length. And, um, yeah, the interesting thing is he's actually the owner of a micro tap room. In oh, Grand wow. Memphis. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, so that, that's just this that's funny. interesting little kind of local but also worldwide tidbit. The people who did this were from all around the world. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. 150 feet, though. It's bizarre. There are pictures out there so you can look and see and... Yeah. Those pictures are pretty much everything out there, though. Yeah. But if you can do it with beards, why couldn't you do it with, like, your actual head hair? Like, I mean, my hair hangs all the way down to the bottom of my rib cage. Are I, you going to tie your hair to mine? Yes. Let's get everybody together. We start tying our hair together. No. No? No. no. I'm not that comfortable around people to start with. <laughs> um, and you know I'm not comfortable with people touching me. Uh, yeah, me either. Which is why I'm thinking that... I couldn't ever do it. And, yeah, I would actually be afraid with as long as my hair is. What if somebody had lice? Yeah, that's not a good thought. No, I I have no desire to try to get lice out of my very long hair. All right. Okay. What are you going to entertain us with today, Mary? Needles. Um, Well, there are a lot of different kinds of needles. What kind of needles are we talking about here, Mary? You know that old song... These boots are made for walking? Yes. Well, these needles are made for talking. I'm so confused. You usually are when I start my stories. These needles are made for talking. My story is called Let Your Needles Do the Talking. I actually have a thought about this. Okay. Does this involve the, the floss company? No. Okay. Okay. Some things are so everyday, so normal, we don't give them an extra thought when we see them. Take knitting, for example. Do you picture your mom with her bag that sat in a corner until she pulled it out and worked on her latest project? Or maybe your mom was one of those oversized tote bags that went everywhere with her. The doctors, Aunt Helen's, the bus, family vacations. Or did you maybe have the aunt you always thought was crazy because every Christmas you got a scarf she made just for you? I actually had an aunt by marriage many years ago that every year she would make slippers for myself and the kids. And I always thought that was crazy. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I realized that that was such a precious gift. Oh, yeah. I have a friend that is very, very talented with crocheting. And she has made things for myself and my daughter and all kinds of people. And they're always very cherished. Which is the way it should be. But when I was young, I was kind of stupid. The origin of knitting actually goes back thousands of years. Nobody really knows who started it first or even where it started. However, 
It may have started in the Middle East somewhere around the 5th century. So a long, long time ago. And historians believe that it traveled to Europe quickly after that. Now many early garments or knitted items would have blessings knitted into them or symbols to ward off bad luck. If you should ever choose to go back and look at some early examples of knitting, it is simply mind-boggling the patterns that were created with two needles and some spun wool or cotton. Oh, yeah. They used a lot of cotton then. Yeah, if you are ever in a museum and you look at some of the stuff that they have, it is. It's absolutely baffling. Yeah, without printed patterns or mm-hmm. printed directions. Yes. It is, it is mind-boggling. Some things just go together, like peanut butter and jelly, eggs and toast, socks and shoes. Some things take a little bit more time to get used to, however. And maybe they just make our brains go, uh, whoever thought of that idea had a little too much time on their hands. Take the idea of a knitting contest, for example. (laughs) Or speed knitting. Oh my god, what? Whoever heard such a thing? I actually thought I had made up the term speed knitting until I googled it and discovered sock madness. Which happens every March through June. Okay. Now, sock madness is held during March Madness, which is the big basketball thing. And it's hosted on Ravelry, a prime internet hotspot for knitters. It is made up of some of the most adventurous devil-may-care crafters on the entire planet. All are welcome to sign up, but only the most advanced knitters will survive the bracket-style elimination challenges. Oh. Now, to kick things off, the knitters are given a qualifying pattern that puts their speeds and their skills to test. It's always a somewhat off-the-wall pattern because these patterns, these socks, they they knit socks, are custom designed to throw knitters off their game. Oh. If you're good or maybe lucky enough to stay in and make the first few rounds, Then the real battle begins because new patterns will appear in your inbox and the clock starts ticking. When do they appear? Which yarns and needles should you have ready? That is just part of the madness that's going on. Now there are usually 26 teams, one for each letter of the alphabet, and they are sorted by baseline knitting speed. Each team will advance with fewer and fewer members every round until only one spot remains. For the final round, 26 knitters go in, but only one gets crowned the champion. Well, that's pretty awesome. Now, those who get knocked out are relegated to the the ranks of being cheerleaders, which that's not so bad. As a cheerleader, they will get rewarded for their efforts with the same patterns as the competitors, but they don't have the obligation to complete them. Right. Now, there's seven rounds in Sock Madness, and the rules are rigid. The size, stitch count, yarn choice, and needles all come into play. And the judges have final ruling on what counts as a mistake. And what's more of a mistake just to get it done faster. It doesn't matter if the sock fits the knitter or if the final sock even looks good. It has to be perfect. It has to be fast. Misreading the instructions or the pattern. Miscalculating or even just poor planning. There's enough to get you chopped. Oh, 
All right. Now the prizes for winning stand in a category all by themselves. You get free socks. <laughs> you get of free course. knitting patterns. Okay. You get the possibility of making new friends among the supportive members of your own team. And you get the satisfaction of competing against some of the best knitters in the entire world. I will not be joining this competition. Neither will I. Now, if you and many others are wondering if I've fallen off the story track or perhaps digressed a bit farther than usual, I promise to tie this all together. Okay. So where were we? Oh, that's right. We were knitting. Things that go together. Oh. Needles and yarn. Yes. Hats and mittens. Patterns and stitches. So where in the world in all of this does heavy metal music come in? What the fuck? I guess you could knit to it if you wanted, but I think it would be more of a distraction than anything else. And to me, that doesn't sound enjoyable. The year was 2018. And we find ourselves in a radio station sound room in Jowensu, Finland where an interview is taking place. An interview regarding handcrafting professionals that are local. Okay. The interviewee happens to be a knitter, and of course the needles are just clicking away the whole time they're being interviewed. Right. And as conversations tend to do, and Hannah and I know this very, very well, it wanders slightly off course. And one thing leads to another, and someone in the room asks the question, is it possible for a knitter to knit with their eyes closed? Well, yeah. Is it possible for a knitter to knit with their eyes closed and their hands behind their back or their neck? Well, I think so. How about with their toes? Can they knit with their toes? Is it possible for a knitter to knit with their eyes closed and their hands behind their back sort of like a lead guitarist does? And the idea of a knitter as a lead performer in a heavy metal music band became a competition. Oh my god. The more thought that was given to the idea, the more it was talked about and the goofier it got. The first idea was to hold a national event in Finland, which most people know is the land of heavy music. Handcrafting there is also huge. And then it was suggested that perhaps there were others around the world who were kind of on the same level of crazy. And they might enjoy a heavy metal knitting contest also. Metalhead knitters, so to speak. Oh, right. It's a new catchphrase. Oh, okay. So on April 2nd of 2019, the very first heavy metal knitting contest was held in Finland. If you wanted to participate, there were steps you had to follow. An application to fill out. Now, I didn't get a look at the application because it's not available yet for the 2023 season. You have to do a video of no more than 60 seconds of you knitting to a song of the people's choice who put the competition together. You don't have to be the only one in the video, but you have to be in the video and you have to be knitting. You must create and upload this video to YouTube and the semi-final jury will rate all the videos and they choose 12 contestants from around the world who are going to come and compete for the grand prize. So it's kind of like a big stage set up and maybe you have 12 bands that come in and they all have their own thing and they all do their own thing. 
Right. And they all have their own scenery and their own props, and that's kind of what it happened. In 2019, the 12 finalists were from eight different countries around the world, including a three-person team from Michigan. Oh. It was a mother, a daughter, and a friend. But the winners in 2019 were a five-person team from Japan. The Giga... The Giga Body Metal Team. Perhaps the two sumo wrestlers on the team intimidated the judges. Not really sure. They had two sumo wrestlers on their knitting team. Wow. That's, uh... The pictures are amusing. The picture in my head is amusing. Due, due to COVID, 2020 didn't experience the contest of all contests, but it was back in 2021 with Resurrection of the Knitting Witch from the Netherlands who knitted away all her competition. In 2022, the string thing from the United Kingdom walked away with the crown of world champion heavy metal knitters. And the 2023 celebration of the knitting arts is slated for July 7th. There are no slouches in this contest when it comes to trying to win. Creativity plays a huge part from costumes, stage scenery, props, audience inclusion, energy. This does definitely is not your everyday ordinary knitting contest. Music is provided by the band Manic Abductor. Now there is another side to this, however. What if you don't like knitting? What if you can't knit like me? What if you don't like heavy metal? Now the easy answer to that, don't watch it. Don't listen to it. That's pretty easy. But as we know, in the world that we live in today, everybody's got something to say about everything. People can't just let other people be. So according to metalsucks.net, this is a quote. As those of you who like metal and spend too much time on the internet know, heavy metal knitting is very much a thing. In fact, it's enough of a thing that there's a world championship of heavy metal knitting that goes on in Finland. Where yarn-loving metalheads can get on stage knit to a metal track, and generally make themselves look like a baffling nut bar. Which I have questions about what the meaning of that is. Yeah. And it goes on to say, and now footage has been released of this year's competition, and as you might imagine, it was basically a human zoo full of questionable choices. <laughs> While I don't agree with their opinion, because it's not mine to judge, I did find their opinion to be a creative use of the English language. Okay. So whether you're a social knitter, an everyday knitter, or a hardcore knitter, give this contest some thought. Maybe you could walk away a, win a knitting winner. But please, please don't keep us on pins and needles. <laughs> Mom tried so hard to teach me to knit. I used to knit. I know I, how to knit. I can't. I, I could not ever do it. It didn't matter how hard she tried. It just was never going to happen. Yep, I knitted some stuff. That's very cool. You know, you just never really know what you're going to hear on this podcast. Nope. Oh my God, that was pretty fantastic. I thought it was pretty funny. And the, and images, went, the I, images in my head are just... It's nothing compared to the actual pictures because these people get really into it. They're not just on stage knitting to heavy metal. They have, they have props, and then they have like, they have their people around them who are doing things, and then they're like including the audience. Some of them do, and and they're 
the energy is just the pictures are great. But when you think of of an, someone knitting, you usually a think, grandma in a rocking chair or something. And so now I'm imagining grandma on stage kicking up her with 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 heavy metal and smoke and you know <laughs> all these like yeah it's crazy the pictures are awesome that's amazing google it check the pictures out it's oh really cool oh my god that's fantastic to each and every one of you thank you so much for being here with us thanks for starting off the new year with us and here's to another amazing year filled with growth and new friends laughter and amazing adventures we love you guys have a wonderful day bye
we here at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know really appreciate the time you spent with us today. Hopefully you learned something unusual today. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at tmsidntk at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at tmsidntk, which are the initials for the title. Suggestions, ideas, comments, corrections, send them our way. We take them all. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, please feel free to follow the podcast, leave us a rating and review. That lets us know how we're doing and helps others to find us. This podcast is hosted by a couple of sisters who research, write, and edit their own stories. All other editing and production is done by Mary Swartz, and the original artwork was created by Hannah Green.